what kind of game do you play? Um, I like RPGs and huh? a lot of stealth games. I played Cyberpunk recently. Okay. I play all the Assassin's Creed games. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I, I like to play the Assassin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't guess that about me at all, right? <laughs> Welcome to the Sun Minshu podcast, where we talk to Sun Minshu's finest about martial arts, training, and some of life's smaller questions. In this conversation, we talk to Sensei Mag about mastering the art of none, growing on the plateaus, fear of falling, and the faith in leaping. This conversation reminds me of a quote from Carl Jung, which says that, If there's a fear of falling, the only safety consists in deliberately Jumping. I want to start with something, uh, a story that you told me before that I kind of, I remember. So it's something about diving. Skydiving? No, not skydiving. Have, did you done sky? Have you done skydiving? I have done skydiving. All right. Perfect. Yeah, that's, that ties into that when I was saying, hey, maybe we should talk about the conquering your fear oh nice what, <laughs> i'm what? afraid of falling oh really yeah okay so when, when did you when did you do that in the skydiving thing um i was 25 okay uh, it was my brother-in-law's um 27th birthday mm-hmm. and uh we had gone to visit him in or we'd gone to Pensacola where he mm-hmm. was from to hang out and visit with him. And he wanted to go skydiving with Donnie, with my husband. Mm. Yeah. And uh, they had made this plan to do this thing where they'd go skydiving and um, you would land on the beach and then mm. we would party at the Floribama afterwards. Yeah. And um, I, I'm, I don't have like a ton of fears, but, Things like glass elevators and really tall heights with just a little rail there kind (laughs) of freak me out because Uh I have this, uh, I get dizzy and I have this sense that I'm going to fall over the edge, like Mm -hmm. careen over the side and fall to my Mm -hmm. death. Yeah, (laughs) same same here. (laughs) Right. So skydiving is really, you know, getting in a plane and falling to your death and hoping you don't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I... Personally, for me, when I like, go near the edge, like even the balcony, like when in my apartment, I always have the fear, like I don't want to get too close to outside, even though it's like third story or fourth, fifth story, right? So even that, yes, here, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. If it gets, if it's in that four or five story range and anything above that, I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm kind of nervous to be here at the edge. <laughs> yeah. So so how so how did it go, this guy? Um, so I had told them I wasn't going to go. I mean, you know, they already knew yeah. I wasn't going to go. They knew me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I woke up the morning that they were to do the skydiving mm-hmm. and we, we all woke up, we got up and I just said, you know what, I'm going to do this. Mm. And I did. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, what, what do you mean by you wake up and say, I'm going to do Just kind of sat up. Uh-huh. I, I literally um, sat up out of bed um, and just, you know, it, it, it's happened a few times in my life. That moment mm. of inspiration hits you mm. where you say, I'm just going to do this thing. Mm. And, or I just know that this is the way it's going to happen. 
Mm. And I did. So I said, you know what, can I go? And Uh they said, well, we'll call and see if you can go. And the people are like, yeah, we can add another one on there's room. Mm -hmm. And so I was very nervous, but I'm not afraid to fly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flying doesn't frighten me. Yeah. It's really just that sort of careening over the edge feeling. Yeah. And, uh, I was at a point in my life there in my early twenties, a lot of stuff that I was doing. In fact, I, that was right around the time I was um, doing my first style of martial arts as well, mm-hmm. was that I was, um, it was kind of the beginning of trying to challenge myself, mm-hmm. find reasons to challenge myself mm-hmm. and push myself. And that was one that I was like, you know what? I've always been afraid of this. I've always said I'd never do it. Mm-hmm. What would happen if I just did it? Mm. Could I make myself do it? Mm-hmm. And I did. And, <laughs> and it wasn't all that bad in the end. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and what happened? Did you enjoy it? Like, did you scream a um, lot? No. Oh my gosh. No. I was incredibly um, nervous the uh-huh. whole time. And it was a tandem because when you do your first jump, they don't let you pull the cord yourself. You have somebody on your back mm-hmm. um, that is responsible for everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really broke it down for myself as all I have to do is get on a plane and Mm. I'm not afraid to get on a plane or to fly. And Mm. if I could just get myself onto the plane, they'd make sure I got off. Yeah. And, um, the very hardest part of it was when they opened the door to the plane and we have to step out onto this (laughs) tiny little platform on the wing. And Uh the platform is smaller than my, the width of my foot uh-huh. <laughs> and wow. two of us have to step out simultaneously too, because if you don't step out to, if you step out badly, yeah. you're going to just fall right out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you've got to step out onto the wing. Gotcha. That was the hardest, like where my will had to take over my, my, you know, I just had to say, mm. do it, Meg, mm-hmm. do it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. And I got out onto the wing. Mm -hmm. And then the guy said, you know, they would tap us three times, one, two, three, and then Mm -hmm. you let go. And that's what I did. Oh, wow. (laughs) Nice. So how did you feel when you landed? Um, Really, you know, once you were falling, Mm -hmm. there wasn't the sense of when you skydive, there's not the sense of falling that you normally associate with like, being on a trampoline where your stomach kind of bottoms out because, like a roller coaster or a roller coaster. Yeah. Right. Because, um, the wind is blowing so hard. You just feel weightless. Oh, so oh. it wasn't, it didn't have the, it made that feet, that sort of bottoming yeah. out feeling that I yeah. don't like uh, didn't yeah. happen. So yeah. that made it much easier. Oh. Um, and then when I got to the bottom, I was kind of like, I was just, proud that I did it mm-hmm. you know that I kind of conquered my fear and did yeah, it yeah that I made myself do something that I felt was really hard yeah and um you thought that you were impossible yeah out of character yeah. yeah yeah and that I did it and yeah. uh it was really it was really more about you know taking the journey yeah yeah challenge yourself a little challenging bit challenging yourself one, yeah yeah one falling at a time <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because then, yeah, go ahead. I don't know that I'd do it again, but. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but you. I did it. <laughs> once is enough. Once is enough. And uh, yeah, once yeah. is enough. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, because you're talking about a roller coaster. Because yeah, that, that's what I was uh, imagining. Like falling up, like skydiving. Because when I ride roller, co I hate roller coaster because I like I hate the like button drop out feeling. Yes. Yeah. And every time I. I do not roller coaster. I always scream a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's me. I scream till I'm hoarse. Um, Got you. So that was another thing was that I was really always afraid to go on roller coasters when I was younger for that mm. reason. And then mm. after I did the skydiving, I started enjoying roller coasters more. Oh, Although yeah. I always liked theme parks. Mm -hmm. I didn't like like super crazy um, yeah. roller coasters and stuff. And yeah. after, after that, yeah. I, I took my kids to Six Flags just a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. <laughs> There's still the Goliath is still, oh my gosh, the worst for me because it's all falling essentially. Yeah. yeah. But um, I love Batman and I love Superman. Those two mm -hmm. are my favorite. Nice. So earlier you mentioned that you no, no, you were afraid of skydiving is because you're, you're afraid of falling. Like, what, what do you mean by falling? Like physically falling or just something... Like falling over the edge, like careening uh, over the edge, tripping and falling mm -hmm. out of glass elevator, you know, yeah. all any of those kind of things. So um, doing, um, I mean, that's the other thing, speaking of glass elevators. So we, my family, we went to Chicago just mm. for vacation just a couple weeks ago. Uh. And um, this idea that uh, you have to keep challenging your fear and yeah. you have to keep like trying to press yourself sometimes mm -hmm. is something that stuck with me a lot, a lot. because when we were there, we went to the Sears tower and mm -hmm. they have these glass boxes. Uh, you go 103 floors up and they have a totally glass box mm -hmm. over sitting out over 103 feet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or 103 stories. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, wow. And right. <laughs> with a glass bottom. Yeah. <laughs> and you can step out onto it. And my whole family were like, let's do it. Cause none of them have this fear at all. They're like, let's do it. Really? Let's go. And I'm like, I oh, don't wow. know about this. Yeah. I really, I was nervous the whole yeah. time. And, but in the end, I like made myself do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. The big challenge, the first and there were challenges, you know, each step of the way, like the first mm. challenge was just getting out there. Mm. And so my son said, I'll hold your hand, mom, and <laughs> you can close your eyes and I'll mm -hmm. walk you out onto the box and mm -hmm. then you can open them. And so that's what I did first. Oh, really? And nice. then once I was actually standing out on the box, I'm like, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. We took a, we, we went back in, mm. took another few minutes and you can go back around and, and get in the box again and mm -hmm. the second time he's like okay mom this time we're gonna jump together oh <laughs> and so oh wow i'm like we're gonna jump are you sure i don't <laughs> think i could do this <laughs> and, and he said here's my 12 year old son kind of egging me on i'm like yeah. no you know what i've i've gone skydiving before i've done yeah. other things i can conquer this fear i mm -hmm. can do this yeah. and so i got out there and it was again i was like closing my eyes and then it was a one, two, three. And I jumped <laughs> on this glass box, 103 mm -hmm. floors up and just prayed that I wasn't going to fall. Yeah. You did not break. <laughs> through the floor <laughs> that it didn't break. <laughs> wow. Sounds like 
sounds like your son is a good teacher. And I, he lets you know, okay, lets you do something easy first and then do something harder progressively. Harder. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So I want to go back to uh, earlier a little bit. Now, in the beginning, you, you, you mentioned in the, you also mentioned that like, you want to challenge yourself like around in your 20s, right? Right around that time doing the skydiving. Mm-hmm. Like the need, you feel like the need to challenge yourself, right? What, what, what do you think that, where does that come from? Like what, what is that thinking come from? Like I, th- I think to- some of it, yeah, I think some of it is that I kind of, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know fully, but I think some of it comes from this desire to like constantly improve, mm. Mm. right? I, I don't, um, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that, um, you know, good for good and bad reasons, but mm. I don't necessarily subscribe to the reason that we're ever finished, Mm-hmm. right like yeah. as people yeah. um i kind of um i've uh, i don't know i kind of felt like i should always be trying to improve the idea mm-hmm. that you should always be trying to improve sometimes we don't get there mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. sometimes we take two steps back mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of any steps forward yeah but the idea that um we should continue to be a work in progress and not ever really settle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is maybe part of I that. See. Yeah, but is there is there a moment in your twenties that you realize that hey, I haven't been challenging myself enough or conquer my fears and stuff like that? Like, is there was there a moment that did something happen or trigger that realization that you need to do that more? Um, yeah, that's actually why I got into my first martial arts style. Uh. Nice. Um, when I had just got married and mm-hmm. we'd moved from Florida to Atlanta, yeah. um, my husband was already here. He had work. Yeah. Um, and I had just graduated from college mm-hmm. and he, I moved up here to, uh, be with him. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, completely different. Everyone in my family had always stayed in Florida. Nobody mm-hmm. had ever left the, the uh, state. Mm-hmm. My parents, it was a big deal when my parents just moved two hours north to another city. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> our, our people were very, very stayed in the same place and never went mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, yeah. And so what do I do? Move out of the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> so um, I... I moved up there and I didn't have any, I was at that kind of turning point in your life where you just graduated from college and you're trying Mm -hmm. to um, figure out what you're going to do with your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I got this degree. Now what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Or what kind of job am I going to have? And also at the same time, having moved to another state, Mm -hmm. I have to make a whole new number of friends. I have to Mm -hmm. meet friends for the first time and do that in another place. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kind of got into this spot pretty quickly where I wanted to meet other people and realized I was also getting kind of, um, I was getting, like I lacked discipline, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) I hadn't been at home for a while Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't have a mom or dad pushing me to do anything. And I realized I needed to do that. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to like, instill a little more discipline in myself and try to meet a group of people 
mm. uh, uh, that where I could regularly hang out with some folks. And yeah. um, I'd always been kind of interested in martial arts, mm-hmm. but sort of had that, how could I ever be somebody who did this kind <laughs> of gotcha. idea? Mm-hmm. Um, and I found a school mm. and uh, it was a shuriru style. And then they also did jujitsu as well. Although I found that I really enjoyed the martial arts aspect of yep. it, mm-hmm. it um, I was like the only girl there for a while, oh. and it was kind of a boys' club. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't oh. quite my. Um, well, I didn't quite find my community there. Although yeah. everyone was nice and there was, they were fine, and there was yeah. nothing. Um, it was still, you know, a, well, me well, trying to fit in with a bunch of boys. Yeah. What, what do you mean by still like a boys' club? it was a boys club right so there wasn't uh um there was no dressing room Mm. um for women Mm -hmm. there uh, i was the only woman eventually and um after about two years another woman came in Mm. um but they were um it was just uh, difficult to, you know, yeah. it was, a, some of the guys, it was a little hard for them to, um, they have the typical kind of reaction that guys have a lot mm. in martial arts. Yeah. Either I'm going to decide to treat you like a guy. So mm-hmm. I'm going to just clock you mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in sparring, yeah. which doesn't always work very well for women, <laughs> you yeah. know, just physically that's, a lot gotcha. more difficult for us than it is for guys mm. or they would treat me with kid gloves mm, um, yeah. which also doesn't help yeah so yeah. it was you know it was that kind of they didn't really know what to do with women yeah yeah <laughs> so how would you suggest like guys to balance that like um a lot of it you know i think i think part of it too was the era in that we've there's it's been Oh goodness, 20 years since I was doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but um, so I think there's been a lot of improvement made between just everybody in general. Like mm-hmm. culturally, we're we're all kind of at a good spot of awareness where we're trying to do mm-hmm. better. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that's important as we go through this period of time and when you are a martial artist mm-hmm. of either gender that you um you always try to give credit to people who are trying Mm -hmm, and remember that they're trying even if we don't always succeed Mm -hmm, and um so the first thing is yeah to try to be aware Mm, and then the second part would be hey communication communication Mm, is always a great um Ah. is a great way to just be like hey at the beginning of sparring with a lady if you're a guy please just say what level it is and, yeah, as, a, right. and as a woman you mm-hmm. know if I say yeah. level two and I feel like you hit me at level four to yeah. say uh that was a four yeah gotcha. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh nice 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 so it goes both ways oh that's good that's good so I guess you're talking about you did not find the community in that so so did you did you stop training there I did uh. I did eventually mm-hmm. um Long story short there, I was, I had trained for about three, three and a half years and 9-11 happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, at the time I had been um, 
working in HR and I hired avionics engineers for a living. I hired engineers for contract work with airlines uh, for a living Mm -hmm. and the economy crashed. My husband lost his job. I had my job, but it careened. And suddenly I didn't really um, have any money anymore for the training uh, to, to, for the monthly fee. And so I was like, okay, I'll take a little break. And maybe when I get back on my feet in six months, I'll come back. And, you know, six months became a year, became getting into a new career, which Mm -hmm. took up a lot more time. And um, the hours of the new work that I did uh, were such that I couldn't train. Yeah. And um, because like I'd have to work till eight or eight 30 instead of like five o'clock. Yeah. So I couldn't be there for a seven o'clock class. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't go back. Mm, got you. Got you. Where did you grow up in Florida? Um, originally from Orlando. And oh. then I moved up to Gainesville at about mm. 10. My parents moved me to Gainesville and I was mm. more or less there for until I graduated college. Oh, what's your favorite like, childhood memory? Ooh, um, definitely beach time. We would mm-hmm. we would go out to beaches, um, and beaches were kind of a lot. Uh, there would be things that would wash up on shore, yeah. like uh, sargassum and stuff. And mm-hmm. my dad would pull it up, and there'd be like little critters in it like sometimes little baby fish or small crabs or interesting mm-hmm. little anemones or sea cucumbers and I could just spend hours looking at all these little this sea Secret life creatures. Secret yeah. Creatures. Yeah. yeah 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 I loved that kind of stuff when I was a kid and um making sand castles and just uh-huh. and swimming all the time mm. I loved that oh nice nice did your parents not do that every week we would go a lot um uh-huh. i the other thing we did a lot when i was in orlando was we would go to shuttle launches my dad's a big space nut and uh-huh. um my uncle and my grandfather both uh uh-huh. worked for lockheed martin on contracts oh. for nasa oh, wow. so um we had a lot of like space nuts in the family mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they would pile us into the car and mm-hmm. drive and we drive out to the coast which again would from orlando was an hour hour yeah. away maybe mm-hmm. titusville it really wasn't that far and we would watch the launches mm-hmm. and back then they let you get pretty close <laughs> um you you're you have you're a lot further back now oh yeah (laughs) they don't even let you get any anywhere as close as we used to be able to get Uh and um one of the actually best launches that i remember and it's also a really good childhood memory was that my parents uh, piled us all into the back of the station Mm. wagon Mm. in the middle of the night Mm. and drove out to Titusville for a four o'clock in the morning launch. So it was perfectly dark. Oh, wow. And when the shuttle went up, mm-hmm. it lit up the entire sky so bright. It was mm-hmm. like daytime, even though it was still pitch black outside. Oh, wow. It was really amazing. Oh, wow. So if you could give credit or thanks to someone in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, who would that be? Oh, definitely my husband. Your husband, Dan? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. How, how so? <laughs> oh, he, um, he's just, we've known each other for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, he's been really, uh, he's, he's been somebody who's been a constant in my life. Mm. And so that kind of uh, staying power, especially Mm -hmm. with a personality like mine yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and somebody who's kind of never satisfied too, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have Mm -hmm. that, the downside of that uh, challenge drive I have is that sometimes it's hard to feel satisfied. Right. Yeah. Um, And he's always stuck that out and Mm. um rides that uh well Mm -hmm. you know so i think that's a and that idea you Mm -hmm. know i've gotten to the other part is that i've gotten to watch him because we married young i've gotten to watch him change over the years Mm. and that idea that it's okay for us to change as people Mm -hmm. uh is uh is part of what I really value. Yeah. You know, what we yeah. were talking about before. And mm-hmm. so getting to be on a journey where you get to see somebody change is mm-hmm. is a is a powerful one. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of a quote from Bruce Lee. I think he says like change is on is the only changeless state. Something like yeah. that. <laughs> You're right. Right. Yeah. I mean it's also why I like martial arts. Yeah. You know, um, what's been good about um, about becoming a sensei is that yeah. I'm now at a point where I get to watch people behind me grow mm. and change, mm. you know, and that, that's, that's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, yeah. it helps keep me optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Oh, we don't yeah. always have to get stuck in our same old routine or mm-hmm. our same yeah. old stuff. And, yeah. um, yeah, we can grow. Yeah. It's not, yeah. I just, it's grow. Yeah. It's not, it's not change for change's sake. It's more like you're getting better. You're growing, right? In a way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're growing. Even yeah. if you sometimes reverse, mm-hmm. you still, you know, eventually come back to trying to grow again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So one thing you talk about, like, you always, like, never satisfied. So it's always one getting better. So I, I kind of have that thought too. Now, how do we balance that, right? So the drive, so... I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. I'm still, I want to improve, but how do you balance like, the drive to getting better and then the, also the, the desire for peace can, to be content, right? With where you're at. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So how, how do you balance that? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> not well sometimes, uh, <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest, you know. Um, sometimes it. well, other times not. So what brought you to Samin Shu? Ah, uh, yeah. So you remember when I told you that I mm. um, had lost my job and, mm-hmm. well, you know, lost it in that I couldn't afford anymore to train. And then yeah. that quickly became me leaving that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I couldn't really um, go back because the job I got afterwards had me at work too late to train. Mm-hmm. So when I had my daughter, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had my son a few years later, mm-hmm. and I'm in my you know early 30s, mm-hmm. and I've got that drive to do something again, right? Mm-hmm. I'd like to have this all the same things that I kind of had 
wanted to do earlier in the life. Oh, I want a little more physical fitness and some <laughs> discipline again, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I want to be out of the house and hanging out with adults and um, have a bit of a community again of people who um, were, who would look at me. Some uh, Sometimes what happens when you have kids is that people, um, sometimes if you haven't if you don't have a group of people around you beforehand, people mm-hmm. you meet afterwards always view you in relation to your kids. Yeah. And right. so having a community of people who know you outside of just one aspect of you mm-hmm. um, can be really empowering and feel really good and yeah. kind of like a mini escape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You lose your identity if you just being a parent all the time. Instead of being right. Yourself. Yeah. And I knew I very much didn't want to be the kind of, uh, like it, it was twofold. I did, I did um, consciously think about the fact that I wanted to model behaviors that I thought my mm. kids should see, which would be, Hey, I'm your mom, but I'm also my own person. Mm. And uh, these are my interests and this mm. is what I'm going to do. Mm. So I was looking around for a new dojo and I'd gone to several um, kind of at the time, uh, looking around and they had just, they were just putting the finishing touches on the, um, dojo around the corner from my house. And Uh. so when I was going around looking at different styles, trying to decide what I wanted to do this time, because, you know, I'd taken two different styles before. So I had a little bit of a background. Yeah. So I knew I, I kind of knew enough to know I need to go around and find a, a, a style that fits me uh-huh. as well as a community that fits me. Ah. And um, I looked around at several and they happened to put up a sign finally. And uh-huh. I walked in uh-huh. and um, I was, they were only just beginning to train there, but they hadn't opened the first class. Uh-huh. And one of the first things that was odd was that for a lot of the um, places I'd gone before, a lot of the other dojos, they'd let you just start whenever. Uh-huh. And they were like, no, no, you can't, you can't just join this class. You, you have to wait until, until uh, other people come in at the same time. And this yeah. is the date it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. This is a little different. Ah. And I'd always trained mixed ranks too. So mm-hmm. that was another thing that was odd about the, the Sunny shoe was yeah. that, oh, I'm going to get trained with people who don't know anything just like me, mm-hmm. ah. <laughs> which was also a, an attractive part of it mm-hmm. and then the third thing was that i found out and it was actually mark gowan by the way who was the mark first gowan. one who talked to me he's he's like it's oh my goodness him and seth at the yeah. time were really like the goodwill ambassadors of yeah. sung ming shu and yeah. kung nu in general yeah. if there was ever a better spokesperson than mark gowan i yeah. don't know who it is yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh Anyway, Mark Gowan is telling me all these things. Oh, yeah, just come back in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so um, I came back in a couple of weeks. And I, uh, oh, the third thing, I forgot to uh, back up. You're good. The third part was that he told me, Mark Gowan told me, that the um, style was from Gainesville, Florida. Uh-huh. And I'd grown up there and I yeah. didn't even know. And I'm like, this is a connection to my hometown. Oh, this yeah. is. This checks all the boxes. It's got to be here. It's like mm-hmm. a sign. Yeah. And so I came a couple weeks later and started training. And um, I just 
a white a black belt's just a white belt who didn't stop coming yeah. <laughs> really I mean nice. you're eventually going to get there like mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a really long time sometimes it takes a really short time sometimes it's an in-between but mm -hmm. you just don't you just don't quit mm -hmm. nice so do you, do you remember your first day of class oh first not week? exactly the first day no yeah. um I remember a lot about that kind of time period mm -hmm. um, and sort of the interactions that I had with the other class members who were there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the sort of most visceral experiences I had was um, my jujitsu instructor from my previous style mm -hmm. had been invited as a guest instructor. Oh. I was maybe two green stripe mm -hmm. at that time. Um, and now he I, gave a seminar and something some he issue? gave a oh. seminar at Sangming Shu because nice. um, the former head of school, Alan, yeah, knew knew him, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, he was giving a jujitsu seminar, mm -hmm. and I walked in and it was like this clash of my old life and my old <laughs> style with my new life and my new style, oh, wow. and I kind of walked into the dojo, uh -huh. and I realized that Sung Ming Shu had this, um, it kind of had this feeling of like I was coming home, uh -huh. right? Like I walked into the dojo that night, and I was uh -huh. super excited to see this, my former instructor, Yeah, but I had the sense of like you have when you go when you go to your house mm -hmm. and like your grandmother or your mother is there and you haven't <laughs> lived with them in a long time. Yeah. You're like I'm at my house. <laughs> somebody, somebody like my grandma is at my house. You know, <laughs> nice. I had that feeling yeah. and I realized, um, Simon too was like a really good fit for me at that time. Uh -huh. That was when I realized it. Cause I was like, wow, this place feels like home to me. Mm. And although yeah. I'm excited to see this person I trained with before, mm -hmm. I'm actually at home. So I guess something is your parent, and then the previous dojo is now your grandparents. So they <laughs> right, can't visit, exactly. but they leave. But you know, some but they leave, good. right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's good. That's good. So as you mentioned earlier, now like, you you mentioned like black belt is basically you is a like white belt that never quits. Yeah. Right? So so I guess uh, over the years, like uh, was there any point? I guess like any point that you feel want to quit or no um i did actually oh. right after brown belt mm. um right after brown belt i was also having kind of a um uh i'd gotten my brown belt and i got a little bit of that imposter syndrome mm. where i felt like i couldn't figure out why like how did they let me in this class i <laughs> I am not good enough to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a little bit of that imposter syndrome and mm -hmm. it lasted for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I coupled that with a, a sort of, I can't do it attitude mm. where I went, I'm never going to get this because I just kept chugging and chugging away at yeah. the one black stripe curriculum. And I just couldn't, I just wasn't getting anywhere. Mm. And, um, I, I sat as a one stripe for like, or as a brown belt rather mm -hmm. for, I think almost two years. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, you mean one, you, you, you were staying once black strike for two years. 
No, uh, brown belt. Just oh, a brown okay. belt. Okay. I got my brown belt, and then I don't think I. I think it was two years before I got my one black stripe because okay. I was just really, really stuck. Mm. And mm. some of it was my own mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of getting caught up in what I couldn't do mm-hmm. instead of what I could do. Mm, yeah. And um, it, it was a difficult period of time too, because, you know, when you get to Brown Bell, things get a lot more advanced and there's a mm. lot more to keep track of. And it always felt like I'd, get better at three things and then two things would go away. Yeah. <laughs> then I get, I try to pick those two things back up and two of the things I'd already got would fall away. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't quite put it all together just because mm. it was so much. And the reality was I just needed time. And mm. um, Gordon mm-hmm. from about two brown stripe, uh, when I was two brown stripes, he was my instructor and he, he tried to tell me that. Mm. Although I wasn't very open, I think, to hearing it. What would what he, um, he try to tell you? That some, some parts of martial arts just take time. You, mm-hmm. Your body needs time to internalize it. You have to put in the repetition of hours, mm-hmm. of consistency in hours yeah. to add up. And that continues you know, as you mm-hmm. get to brown belt, it gets even, it gets even more like yeah. you just have to keep, um, really the sometimes just continuing and not quitting. Mm-hmm. Even if you think you're not getting somewhere you are mm. yeah, because you're, you're adding to those necessary hours of repetition that are mm-hmm. needed yeah. to make that finally get to a point where it's second nature. But you can't shortcut that process. It mm. takes time. And yeah. for some of us, it takes longer than others. <laughs> and I was one of those. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Also, during that time, I wasn't the biggest struggle during that time, like training wise. Um, training wise, it was just that sort of that sort of feeling that I mm. um and that mentality I was talking about that I couldn't um gotcha. I spent a lot of time just, I can't do that. They tell me what I needed to do. And I'm like, but I just can't do it. I can't, <laughs> I can't get any lower. Yeah. I can't seem to get the spinning kick down. Uh, I can't, you know, I, the reverse crescent kick. I just can't make myself, my legs just don't want to do it. You know, yeah. it was, um, and instead of really looking at that and figuring out how to get it done mm-hmm. or just, rolling with it and saying, okay, I'm going to, um, just keep hammering away at it. Mm. I got frustrated Mm. and wanted it to just happen. Yeah. And it wasn't going to just happen. I had to just (laughs) keep doing it. Yeah. And like Gordon said, you just have to keep doing it. I just, am going to keep telling you to get lower and eventually you will. Yeah, that's right. And I'd be really frustrated by that. But in the end, um, you know, I didn't quit. Mm -hmm. And so over time I did get there Mm, and that was a a big, um, I mean, that was a really amazing life, like journey and lesson Mm -hmm. that I learned from that period of time too, was that I actually can do a lot more than I think I can. Mm. And sometimes it's okay to not 
nail it even the first hundred times you do it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just keep doing it and then yeah. maybe when you get to 200 you'll nail it or maybe it'll be a thousand but yeah, if you definitely. just keep doing it you'll get there yeah i'll say this remind me on a book called mastery uh basically his point is that you need to love you need to love the plateau as well when when, when in any kind of martial art training or anything you do you're gonna hit a plateau, but this yeah. plateau is where you kind of grow, right? So, and yes. then you need to you need to love the plateau, and that's why you can get mastery. So, yes, yeah. that is very much that very much defined that period of time for me. That's yeah. a really good way to put it. Is mm. that was a plateau, and mm. I had to just will it or yeah. wait it out, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, by just. But it was where I got much better at being an uke I mm -hmm. got into a lot of demos I started finding that I really liked uh, a lot of the mat work that we did I mm -hmm. my stances got better my kicks and footwork got better and uh, right I I got a lot closer to mastery after that period of time but I had to I had to go through it yeah exactly I didn't love it though and that <laughs> yeah. was that's something I'm in a bit of a plateau right now right yeah. at, at my rank now and yeah. it's um I have a little more patience about that now mm. than I would have if I hadn't done that part of the journey earlier got you got you all right so um I want to go back to the you say you're talking about like self-doubt and then you feel like you cannot make it you the imposter syndrome and stuff like that. And I, yeah. What, 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 what did that come from? Do you, do you, do you think? I, I think it's really common um, experience for, yeah. Uh, if you talk, I mean, you know, if you talk to a lot of black belts, there's not, uh, I think there's not any of us who at some point haven't, um, or maybe at multiple points, but definitely at some point have had that experience of feeling like, oh my gosh, how did they let me get this far? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they've made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's just a necessary part of self-reflection. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, um, I also don't, I don't look at it as, um, as long as you don't let it hold you back for a really long time, mm -hmm. I think it's part and parcel of the way that we try to teach people to be whole people mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not just teach them martial arts, right? Yeah. We, we mm -hmm. actually um, care about the social aspects of who they are and how they're conducting themselves. Yeah. And um, going through that, where you go, oh, I, I don't, that imposter syndrome where I don't think that I um, am good enough to actually be where they say I'm at mm -hmm. can, can be a um, important way that we stay humble mm. and don't get too caught up with just, I can do all this stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, get a little caught up if you get too caught up with that because all you've done is really focus on the um on the martial arts aspect of it but mm -hmm. not the person not the whole person I see, then yeah. you'll you'll lose out on that humbleness and then we we're really concerned with creating whole people mm -hmm. and i really I like see. that about ah. what we do yeah so 
so I so do you think your self doubt is gone now or like you you have <laughs> no <laughs> nobody's self doubt is ever gone <laughs> just gotcha. like nobody's fear is ever really gone right uh, like yeah. how I had to really I went skydiving yet I still really had to have somebody help me yeah get out onto I had to help my I had to have my son help me get out onto that glass floor yeah, yeah. um. I don't think it's ever fully gone, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that. Um, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just part of the. It's part of the process. Yeah, you're getting better, getting stronger, and that as well, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, you try to. Um, you. I don't know. You try to bolster yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, during that period of time, mm-hmm. by building your own confidence in various yeah. ways, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's, you know, to challenge yourself, like I did mm-hmm. by getting out onto that glass bridge and saying, "Oh, let me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build some confidence by defeating a, a personal demon, right?" Mm, yeah. And sometimes it's by I'm going to really remember that this is a hard journey and mm-hmm. it's okay if I don't always make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's good. It's like it's like something called like brave like being brave and being like being courageous, right? If you if you don't have fear, you can't really be courageous or be brave, right? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the other part, right? You yeah. can't you cannot be courageous if you don't have any fear. Yeah. There's I'm nothing sure. to overcome then. And then yeah. again, how do you grow? Yeah. If there isn't something for you to overcome, if there mm-hmm. isn't an obstacle, mm-hmm. if there isn't a challenge, how are you going to grow? Yeah. Um, I think that's something as instructors mm-hmm. um, that it's really important for us to remember and sometimes maybe communicate with our students mm-hmm. is that part of the reason we part of the reason we're criticizing you or picking on you is to make you grow Mm. right and remembering that as a student too is important Mm. that if I don't put the challenge out there for you Mm -hmm. you don't have something to overcome Mm. yeah nice nice well say (laughs) nice so yeah, martial art is an obstacle in your way right now. <laughs> keep pushing. <laughs> right, keep yeah. pushing. So you you, you wanted this obstacle. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned like earlier, you said that you almost like thinking of quitting. So what, like quitting some issue, quitting martial arts, right around that time. Like so, what prevent you or stop you from like quitting? Now, what? We'll, yeah. Um. I'm stubborn. <laughs> <Got you. laughs> I'm stubborn and um, I couldn't, I think the other part was that um, when I was really at a kind of, um, when I was sort of at my lowest point, hmm. um, uh, Caleb said something that was really powerful to me. Really? And uh, he said, I think you can do this. Mm. I think you can do this in this time frame, and mm. I, I can see you doing it. 
and that that somebody else thought mm. that when I literally myself didn't think that I could uh. get to, I was like I'm never gonna get to black belt I'm just gonna kind of hang around and do mm. whatever and yeah. he's like no no you're gonna get there Mm-hmm. you're you're so close now actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh he's like you're you're almost gonna get ready to test soon and mm-hmm. then it'll be the next one and then it'll be the next one and you're there mm. and um he's like no you're really not as far away as you think yeah and uh having somebody else have faith in me yeah was kind of what i needed at that mm. moment okay. and sometimes sometimes right sometimes not everything, not all the motivation can come from within. Occasionally we need somebody to help give us a push. Yeah. And um, yeah, he helped give me that confidence boost Mm -hmm. because I didn't believe it. There was something seeing, uh, there's something to having someone tell you what they, uh, the way that allowing you, how do I say this? When someone allows you to see the way that, to see you the way they see you, mm-hmm. it can be really powerful, mm. especially if that's delivered at the right moment. Yeah. And he delivered that at the right moment for me. Uh, how, how did that right moment happen? How did he like, know that's in the right moment? Do you know? Like to- I don't know. If, oh, I mean, we've known each other for several years at uh. that time and I don't, I don't know for sure if he knew that it was, that that was such an important thing to me right then. But um, it was, it was definitely, but we had known each other for some years at that point. But that's part of the community aspect too of Sun Ming Shu is that when you fall, a lot of times somebody at the dojo is going to be there to give you a little push or Mm -hmm. um, help you through that period of time. and that's that's part of the community aspect too. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. So, what's the biggest difference between you, like before training and summoning you, and you after? Hmm. That you have to I th- yeah, I think um, I think one of the biggest things that uh, happened to me after black belt was that I really, um, I think two key things. The one was after that, it sort of wiped away uh, quite a bit, not entirely, but quite a lot of Mm. my conceptions of what I couldn't do anymore. Mm. Mm. Um, I got my black belt at 40 Mm. and I was like thinking, first of all, there was the whole getting there journey. Mm But once I realized it was, I kind of spent a little time going, well, if I, what else did I convince myself I couldn't do? Mm. Right. So there was a little self-doubt about that for a bit um, because, wow, I, maybe I held myself back longer than I should have Mm. or didn't take as many chances as I should. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, the other part of it was that I realized there was a real, uh, there was a real part of me where I couldn't see not doing mm-hmm. martial arts, even if it was just a fool around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if I'm not getting any rank anymore, yeah. um, I can see myself being like Mariana, 
Sensei Mariano, you know, I was really inspired by her. She gave a speech just before her black belt test years ago that, oh, it was just so powerful. Um, But it was about uh, being older Uh and still and your body not necessarily allowing you to do as much as you want it to do, Uh but still wanting to do martial arts. Uh, and I saw myself so much in that. Uh, and um, after my black belt, I really, I really could see that a lot. Like, oh, I'm, I'm always gonna fool around, yeah. even if it's, even if it's just, oh, I could see myself taking up another style, uh, <laughs> or yeah. I could see myself doing something else. You know, I, um, I started doing quite a bit of yoga and really getting into yoga after uh, mm-hmm. my black belt, mm, yeah, because. Um, I just wanted to continue to challenge myself mm-hmm. and that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, even after you, you do really get to realize, Oh, I'm a white belt again. Mm. Um, which helps with the humbleness of, I don't know everything, mm-hmm. but it also really helps with the idea. Oh, I get to make a beginning again, if I'd like. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're a beginner again, that circle, right? And keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I, I, the the beginnings don't have to end just because you got a black belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. I want to go back to the fear again, not, and, a, and, and as in the beginning. So, so you like learn how to you learn to confront fear and challenge yourself. So, how did you? Have you tried to teach that to your kids? Like when you're raising kids, now how do you teach them to maybe confront their fear or something? But it sounds to me that your son doesn't really, or your your kids doesn't really fear much. But yeah, I was wondering. Oh, that, no, you, of course they do. Yeah, because <laughs> they're did, still did, human, right? We all yeah, have fears. Yeah, so I was wondering, like, do you, do you, how do you like, teach like, what you have learned over the years about fear to them? Um. So... I think I started when they were young, when they Mm. were really young, like Mm. toddlers with very little things like for toddlers, Mm -hmm. the, um, some of the first fear is like food related, trying Uh new flavors and textures and tastes. Mm -hmm. And so we just had this rule that I just kind of had this rule that you don't have to eat everything. You just have to take one bite of it. And if you Mm. don't like it, you don't have to eat it after that, but just try it. Just try it yeah. one bite and you're done. Mm. And if you don't like it after that, fine. But okay. like, I just didn't make it a thing so that, and then I introduced them to lots of different foods anytime I could so that they would um, have this sense that trying things is okay. Mm-hmm. And not liking them isn't the end of the world. Mm. And um, that, as they got older, mm-hmm. started to be, well, try doing this thing mm-hmm. for a season, right? Like do ah, soccer for this yeah. season. And if you don't like it, oh, well, you only did it for a season, but we're going to see the season out and yeah. we'll do something else after that. Mm. Um, and then we've done a lot of traveling too. I'm, oh. I'm a really big believer in that travel um, really helps open your mind to mm-hmm. more possible, you know, more possibilities um, and just seeing how different and how the same we are mm-hmm. is really helpful for 
kids. Yeah. And so, yeah, we tried to, you know, travel and take them places. Mm. So they've, okay. they've been to China. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. been to Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chloe's been to Paris. Uh-huh. Um, they've done a variety of different, we've done camping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did like a three week out West adventure. Yeah. Uh, so that they would kind of get, um, and lots of just in, in between camping things mm-hmm. so that they get that sense of, Oh, let's try something different. Mm. Um, and let's see something we haven't ever seen before and do things we haven't ever done before. And yeah. that I think helps. I think that that is a practice in and of itself, right? Like yeah. you try to challenge yourself to do different things or see mm-hmm. different things yeah. that it's a soft challenge, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah, a way yeah. that we, it's a way that we make our mind used to having to adapt. Yeah. We don't get too rudimented. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, I'm um, reading a book called Range. He was talking about uh, how you see now a lot of, eth- like, there's a new thing, something called 10,000 hours to be really good at something. They, so yes. In the beginning, they have kids like starting, like Tiger Woods, he would start training golf. Like as a kid, he never really do anything else, right? Yeah. So that's very specific, but actually a lot of research now says actually it's much better for kids to explore in the beginning. They try different new things. And when yeah. they get older, they can grab onto something that can put more practice into it. That's very much what we've done with our kids. And, um, and I've done it throughout my life. I have, (laughs) I have done so many different things. I am, I like to say I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. (laughs) (laughs) Same here, actually. Same here. Right. Actually, I'm, I'm not, I'm sure about master of none. I'm not sure about the first part. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you have, you have, at least another decade to get where you are, the, mm. where I am in my life. So by That's the time it. you're my age, yeah, you'll, you'll have mastered <laughs> some other things. Right? <laughs> but um, right. I mean, I have a lot of diverse interests. I have mm-hmm. a lot of other things, you know, that I do, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. I love art and video games mm-hmm. and movies. I mm-hmm. sew. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love to cook. Yeah. I love uh, the cinema and gardening and I used to swim. So yeah. I, like I, I've done a lot of different things in my life. And I think that that, um, that does help you kind of have a, a wide variety mm. of experience and mm. maybe that having to adapt and have a lot of wide variety of experience teaches you to be a little less fearful. Yeah. So, so how do you, reconcile the fact of like you have so many things that you like to do and then you're a master of none kind of thing like because right now i feel like a lot of people like talk about passion right like one thing that you really my problem is that i don't really have a passion for anything really nice so there's nothing that i wish that i find something that i can just like devote my life to it but right but it doesn't work that way how how do you deal with it and how do you reconcile or I don't know. How, how do you, what's your advice on that? Right. So I think it, there's the difference between being passionate about something mm-hmm. and um, focusing only on it. Mm. And so, um, and I don't think that those things are the same. Mm. So you can be a jack of all trades. You can be someone who has a lot of different interests and you mm-hmm. pursue several different interests with a passion. 
Mm-hmm. You're very interested in them. You get really into them for a while and then pick up something else later, mm. but you're still passionate. You're passionate about the things that you're doing. You're passionate about the people that you're with mm. while you're doing them or while you're with them mm. instead of just focusing on a single thing. And I think mm. we, um, there's a lot of people like, I want to be passionate about this thing and do it my whole life. Yeah. That's, that's not exactly the same thing. That's oh. focusing on a single thing. Yeah. You can be passionate about life or you yeah. can be passionate about the thing that you're doing now. It's the way passionate describes the way you're pursuing it. Yeah. Not ah. what the thing is itself. Interesting. So you could be passionate about a lot of things mm. or you could be passionate about just one. Oh, yeah. Okay. I actually, next, next that's a very good. I actually never really her net interpretation before. It's a difference between, I would call it being focused versus uh, being yeah. passionate. Yeah. People, people talk about being passionate at work, but I think what they really mean is focus. They're uh, focused on that uh, thing. They're uh, good at being focused on that single thing, uh, but they aren't maybe necessarily passionate in any other parts of their life. Uh, and so being able to be someone who, has a passion and pursues it, even if you put it down later, or it doesn't take up as much of your life as it used to, mm. doesn't mean that you can't move on to the next thing and still be passionate about it. I see, I see. So did your view of passion like, change over time? Like, did you already, did you ever struggle with the concept of passion? I try to find the one thing that you dedicate your life to or something, like something you can work on for your whole life or something like that? I mean, so multiple points in my life, including like right now, uh, you know, I have had to try to like, what am I going to do with my life? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've just, I'm I'm finally at a point where, um, you know, my kids are grown up and I've spent the better part of the last decade raising my kids and it's time for me to go find something to do again. Yeah. And I think, right, we spend so much time thinking about what do I love to do and should I do that? Yeah. That um, that we don't necessarily uh, we don't necessarily always find that passion for the thing that we're doing. Yeah. And I think that can be okay as long yeah. as there's passion in other parts of your life. Okay. And um, I think I struggled a long time, especially in my twenties with none of this is what I really love, love to do. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that there's something, but I found plenty of other things I loved to do. I loved the martial arts I was doing. I loved the Mm -hmm. friends I made. I loved the travel I did. Um, I loved the experiences I had. Um, I loved the aquariums I made, but I didn't. uh, And I was very passionate about those things. I was passionate about the art I saw and the movies I saw and the garden I had, Mm -hmm. but I, um, I didn't really love my work. Mm -hmm. It was just something I did. Right. Um, I think that was okay, mm-hmm. right? Because I had passion in other parts of my life. Okay. So trying to figure that out now too, I don't know, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe I end up with something I really love to do and I'm just all at it. But I mm. think part of being a jack of all trades and a master of none is that we're never going to be super focused on a single thing all <laughs> the time. <laughs> okay. We can just be passionate about the things that we do. I see. I see. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And that's uh, those questions are kind of what I 
kind of struggle with right now like what what should i do with my life and then what's the passion and then stuff like that yeah so then that's yeah. good i think your interpretation is really good yeah nice sounds good yeah i need i need, I need, I need to go and go go and sit with it for, for a while later <laughs> <laughs> we all do we, it's, yeah. it's a continuing process <laughs> gotcha. <All right. laughs> good yeah who's the most influential person in your life oh gosh um i don't know i'm not um i guess i spent a lot of time uh all throughout my life like mm -hmm. super independent even as a kid i was really independent i was a a mini mom <laughs> mm -hmm. i was a third wheel parent for mm -hmm. uh you know my my parents too because i was the oldest so i, I was just always super a... reliant on me oh nice I think that's another word for leader, right? <laughs> As a mini mom. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess part of it is that, I, and I and I always was sort of, um, I never put a lot of stock in like um, being really heavily influenced by like a celebrity or a person or mm. anything like that. Um, that just wasn't, I don't know, it always felt really false to me. Mm -hmm. So instead, I was always really influenced by um, things like music mm -hmm. or um, projects that mm. um, I would hear somebody had done, you know, and, and I'd take a look at that or some art that was done. Those were sort of my um, inspirations or influences, mm -hmm. um, but it was a very... I guess, you know, for better or for worse, it was a very, <laughs> it was a very internal thing. <laughs> gotcha. It wasn't, it, I, I wasn't super, it wasn't super influenced by, um, by other people. Mm -hmm. I really felt like all that inspiration was going to come from me. Mm. Like I was going to have to find it. I was going to have to want it. I was going to have to drive it. Yeah. And uh, that was sort of. I don't know. That's how, sort of my thing. Ah, so how, how, how did you do that? Do you do like writing, journaling, like stuff like that? In the process of influence yourself, do you like think about, like, for example, you have some decision to make, like, do you write about it to influence your oh, yeah, yeah. direction? <laughs> so a good idea about how to influence myself or a good point to that was when I knew that I was sort of, when I started my first martial art, yeah, I knew that I wanted to find sort of discipline and community and get fit and mm -hmm. do something that I was interested in or just interested in exploring. And so I knew the avenue for me to get some of that discipline and stuff was mm -hmm. going to be martial arts. Mm -hmm. So I, um, so that's why I, that's how I influenced myself, right? Ah, like I, I made see, yeah. sure that I, okay, I'm going to give myself this, this dose of discipline that I need mm -hmm. and fitness that I need, but both these things might not be things I'm super excited to do yeah. with a dose of community and something I'm interested in mm -hmm. so that I will do it. Mm, I see. I <laughs> so see. it was a, that was how I, try to influence myself right? that makes sense that makes sense so you you look at yourself examine yourself see what you want to area you want to improve and stuff like that and then try right. to go do that 
and then yeah, yeah. and take okay. a take a spoonful of sugar with the medicine <laughs> essentially <laughs> gotcha gotcha yeah so um what is the saddest moment of your life oh gosh um whoa that's a heavy question <laughs> <laughs> um probably uh probably when my parents divorced in my mm. senior year of high school mm-hmm. uh right they told us right before christmas yeah right right before christmas oh, uh. right before christmas the my uh senior year of high school wow. and i had just been fired from my first job mm. the day before oh <laughs> <laughs> whoa it's wow. pretty rough wow yeah wow. Uh, was it unexpected for you? Um, I think a little bit at the time because I'd sort of been half out of the house already. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I didn't. I mean, yeah, they'd had a lot of. There had been a lot of rumblings for some years, so it wasn't entirely unexpected. Uh, but um, my, it, what was unexpected was that the reason they were divorcing. My uh, mother came out as a lesbian. Oh. And uh, that was the reason they were divorcing. Okay. Um, and so that was the shocking part of it. Uh. And this was also, you know, this was in the early 90s. So yeah. people weren't coming out very much at yeah, that time. Yeah. And yeah. certainly not somebody who had three kids mm-hmm. and a life mm-hmm. and a career. <laughs> like yeah, she yeah. was an accountant. So <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't exactly the kind of job where you go advertising in the early nineties that you're yeah. a lesbian. Yeah. Um, so it was that part of it was shocking ah. and made it difficult. Um, mm. The sad part of it was the, like the breaking up the family. Yeah. And I uh, had two younger sisters. Mm-hmm. So um for me, it was really easy for me to just step out. They had mm. to kind of go through the separation um, mm. a lot more tangibly than I did. Ah, I see. I and see. that was kind of sad to like see my younger sisters have to live through it a lot more than I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, did, did, and, yeah, go ahead. And there were a lot of losses too, like um, because they were in the middle of the divorce when I was graduating high school, there was mm. sort of this shadow over, um, like I wasn't able to get together with my family and graduate. Um, mm. I was the oldest grandchild. So mm. the the whole process of graduation was, you know, there wasn't a party. Mm. Nobody could really see one another. I had to wrangle going back and forth between two groups of people trying to who had come to see me graduate but couldn't hang out together (laughs) like so there was a lot of um there was a lot of family difficulty that meant that I lost out on some things like right and being the first one to go to college and nobody being around you know nobody could nothing could happen about that or be excited about that because they were too busy just yeah. trying to separate and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, you, you don't have a like complete family celebration of the normal stuff that you do as a family, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now years later, they mm. get along fairly well and mm. you know, we can have some we've had, you know, some family events like a Thanksgiving or something like that where everybody gets together and it's all ah. water under the bridge now. Nice. But yeah. at that time, 
Yeah, of course. Was, yeah. We're right in the thick of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Last few questions. I oh yeah, remind me. You said you went to college and you went to UF, right? University of yes. Florida. So yeah. you did not study. You did not join Kanu. I had no idea. What? I had no idea. Yes, I went to University of Florida. I graduated. I was there four years. Yeah. Uh, I got a bachelor's degree. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I grew up there. Yeah. And I had no idea. Yeah. Um, none. It, that was that was the funny part about yeah. being. Um, that was really the funny part about yeah. finding Kung Nu was when Mark Gowan told me they were out of. Gainesville, Florida. I'm like, Gainesville, Florida, that's my hometown. <laughs> yeah, and you went to UF. <laughs> and I went to UF. And uh, no, but you know, it, it, even then, it was a big campus, like yeah, probably 15,000. Yeah. So it was really possible for yeah complete world, you know, never colliding oh, at yeah, yeah, a campus yeah. that large, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I went to UF, and that's where I started it, Cy- oh. Cypress. Oh, yeah. okay. I did So you went to UF too, right? So you know, yeah. I mean, they've got like thirty thousand students yeah. there now. So even more, you could just never meet anybody ever. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. there's so many clubs, know, so many things to do too. Yeah. It, it, there's so many points too where I look yeah. back on it. Um, I took like some yoga. You know, how they just yeah. like they do the clubs and stuff. Yep. Right. So mm-hmm. several different yoga clubs. I may have passed classes. Yeah. Mm. like at the rec center and didn't even didn't even know I mean (laughs) like it's completely like there's so many times I probably came so close to Mm -hmm. someone in town Uh, one of the craziest things yeah uh coincidences that happened was that um a friend of mine that found out that a high school friend of mine Mm. It was me and two other girls that ran around together. We made this trio. We were just this tight trio of friends. Mm -hmm. We sang together. We did plays together. We sang in harmony together. We do like barbershop quartet kind of stuff. Uh Uh, My two girlfriends and I, and her, one of them, her name was Chris. Mm. Her father was Lou Schilling, who was a black belt in Kung Nu. Oh, I used wow. to spend the night at her house. What? I went to her house all the time. He was in Kung Nu. I, I had no idea. Ye- years I knew her. And oh, wow. I had no idea that her father, A, did martial arts, and B, was a black belt in Kung Nu. And I found out later oh, that wow. he was. Oh, wow. And it was just such a small, like, so many times I could have gotten into Kung yeah. Nu at some yeah. point and just... I got that close and still yeah. our worlds never collided. <laughs> yeah. But you finally did when you came to Atlanta. So that's good. But finally did when I had to move to Atlanta to find Kung Nu. <laughs> Better late than ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> All right. Last few questions. If you could put a word or message on a dojo window for like, people driving by, what would it be? Ooh. Um... Ooh, probably, probably I would have to say try, Mm. try, Mm -hmm. because it's that, it's that same thing we've been talking about the whole time. Like, uh, it's not always about perfection. It's just Mm -hmm. about progress. It's just about the process of doing. Mm -hmm. It's the process of doing and continuing to do. Mm. That's 
that's it. And you can't get there if you're not trying. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. I like it. Try. Very simple, but very straightforward to the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So um, if you could ask someone a question, this is question I'm testing right now. So <laughs> it might not be a good question. Now, if you could, some, could ask someone a question, who would that be? And what question would you ask? <laughs> I think I would ask, uh, I'd probably ask Barack Obama. Uh. How does he make hard decisions? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he had to make a lot of hard decisions in his mm -hmm. life. I mean, not just as president, but yeah. like his whole life, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And definitely as president. Some, that's somebody whose whole life has been, has been defined by making hard choices and making the right ones. Mm. Yeah. Consistently. Mm-hmm. How does somebody who consistently makes hard choices well, mm -hmm. what is their process? I'd want to know that. You know, ah, like, how do you do that? Me too. Me too. Right, actually, me too. <laughs> that's, actually, that's what have been I focusing on during this period of my life, try to basically study decision making. And I reading a lot of books about decision making, how to think kind of thing. So how, how do you make hard decisions yourself? Oh, how do I make hard decisions? Um, through a lot of self-reflection, mm. obviously. That's, I think, always the first step because mm. um, without self-reflection, you can't, I just, I've never found I'm really going to succeed mm. without a lot of self-reflection. I can mm. say I want to do this thing, but if I, for instance, like with martial arts, I can say I can look at myself and say, I know I need discipline, but I also know I'm probably not going to do it if I mm -hmm. don't wrap it up in something that I'm interested in doing. Yeah. So um, that takes self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Also that challenging yourself so that you mm -hmm. grow. Mm -hmm. You don't challenge yourself if you don't examine yourself enough to think about what would be hard to do mm -hmm. yeah. um, if you don't consider it. And, um, uh, so I think, you know, self-reflection is a, is the first part in mm -hmm. that. Yeah. That's Did, gotta be a big part. Was there, is there a hard decision that come to mind? If I ask you, like, was there ever hard decision that you ever made in your life? Like so far, like, what, what would that be? Is, is there anyone come to mind? Um, you made it. I mean, there have been several hard decisions mm -hmm. uh, throughout my life uh, like a lot of them were things like getting married mm -hmm. um you know whether to get married um uh, some of them were where to go to college was I going to go to college mm -hmm. um other ones throughout my 20s like when I decided I wasn't going to do HR again after I left mm -hmm. that job that yeah. I really hated that job, actually. Mm. I made mm. a lot of money. I was mm -hmm. great at it. Mm. And that wasn't enough for me. It mm. really didn't. I hated waking up in the morning. Mm. And kind of realizing that um, was a big, important, um, hard decision that my family thought because I'd gone to college and got that my job should be 
in an office doing an office kind of job and that that was actually never going to be me. Mm. I wanted to work in a lab or I wanted to have my hands on something or Mm. work in a studio or do something, um, do something else. Like I was just not gonna, um, that wasn't, that was a really hard decision. Yeah. So how, how did you make that decision and at time? Um, at that time. Yeah. Uh, so first it was the whole, it was, it was made easier by the fact that, like I said, nine 11 had happened and I started not having oh, as yeah. much money anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I'd actually been contemplating it well before then. Hmm. Um, I'd say at least six months before gotcha. then mm-hmm. it had gotten to the point where just, I was miserable to get up and go to work every day. Mm-hmm. And okay. I knew, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, I was in my twenties. I was in my go get them phase. And I was like, yeah. if I can't go get them for this, that yeah. maybe the problem isn't um, you, maybe the problem is it's that I need to go do something else. Right. Mm, like yeah. that, maybe this just isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I'd been thinking about that for a while, but kind of getting into that grind where we get into where you go, but I'm making money. It's paying the bills. What am I going to do next? Well, I don't know what I'm going to do next. So yeah. why should I leave what I'm doing until mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to do next? Um, and I kind of adopted um, uh, a, a quote. I saw a quote somewhere at that time and I kind of adopted it for my whole thirties and it was leap and the net will appear. Ah, nice. Yeah. And so that's what I did. Mm. I spent like the next decade of my life leaping and letting the net appear. And it uh, always did. Nice. That's good. Leap. And the net will be there. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. I think a lot of times, uh, actually, like, sometimes I come to net, have net struggle too. Now, should I stay doing this until I find something else, right? Maybe I find a thing that I can switch, right? But sometimes mm-hmm. it's better to just like, let it go completely like right away so you have more headspace to do other focus on other stuff so yeah yeah i think nice it's kind of all of a sudden occurring to me too like as somebody whose fear is falling yeah the thing i chose was yeah. leap and the net will appear yeah. because i'm afraid to fall <laughs> <laughs> oh nice yeah, yeah i just perfect. realized that <laughs> <laughs> nice Nice. Self-reflection is a good thing, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. 